It has been two years, four months, and 21 days since I last treated a patient. Today is story time. I'm going to tell a story of a patient I had not too long before I left my clinical practice. This was a guy who was dealing with some pretty severe low back pain. The story of the back pain itself wasn't particularly noteworthy other than it was one of those times when someone comes in unable to even think straight because the pain was so bad. I'm going to take one of my classic detours here and chat about joint mobilizations for non-providers to let them know what kind of treatment this really is. A joint mobilization of any grade involves the PT putting pressure on a bone to move it without the patient doing anything. If I were to have you lay on your stomach and push on one of your vertebrae, the bone would move. Simple enough, right? Well, if I slowly increase my force of push, I will eventually reach an end point where the soft tissues won't let the bone move anymore. It's not really any different than a muscle stretch. When you get to the end range of a muscle stretch, it starts to resist where you have to increase your force of push more and more to get any more length. In PT, we have different grades of joint mobilization named 1 through 5. The grade 5 mobilization is the one you're probably most familiar with simply because the chiropractic field has a way better marketing department than PT does. There are defined rules for each grade in PT, and probably chiropractic terminology too, but I'm just not familiar with their language. Grade 5 in PT terminology would be your quick, aggressive, trying to get a pop kind of a mobilization. It's the colloquial assumption that comes with chiropractic adjustments. To chiropractors, I'm well aware your field is much more complex than this. I'm only speaking to general population perceptions. Practically speaking in PT terminology, a grade 5 is where you push the joint to the end range of its mobility, then do a very quick, small, but hard push on the bone. The idea is that if the joint is kind of stuck together, I want to push fast enough so that your muscles don't have time to react and resist, but also not push far enough to tear any ligaments. Because I've already taken you to the end range of the joint movement, then give a quick push faster than a muscle can react, all that's left to hold you together is passive restraints like ligaments. It's a high force mobilization, and given what I've just said, you can see where there's a high risk of injury for the patient. It is a really effective way to get a pop, though. While the pop is not the goal in and of itself, it is at least some level of feedback that a joint restriction may have been freed up. Grade 4 mobilization is where you press on the joint to get to that end range point just like grade 5, but instead of doing a violent push at the end range, you just put push a little bit. It's a small, slow oscillation that is just a little beyond end range, and then you back off, and then you repeat. It's still fairly aggressive, but there's a lower risk of injury because if you start to oscillate too far beyond the end range, muscles will start to fight, indicating the need to back off. Suffice it to say, I almost never did a grade 5 mobilization on someone in my practice. Even when I did, it was almost always in extremely rigid areas of the body that tend to require higher force to make change, such as the mid-back. Grade 3 mobilization is where I push the bone to end range, then back off again to some percentage of the resting position and repeat. There's no going beyond end range like there is in grade 4 and 5. It's a pretty basic mobilization of divine. Push, back off when there's increasing resistance, then push again. Grade 1 and 2 were mobilization intensities that I distinctly remember while I was in PT school. 
The force is so low, I could not for the life of me figure out why would ever, you would ever do something so small. Grade 2 is similar to grade 3, but moving far less of the total available joint range, and grade 1 is essentially just enough pressure to move the joint a tiny bit. It seems so totally useless. Of course, this is when I had no experience in the field. By the end of my PT career, it turned out that I ended up using grade 1 and 2 at least as much as I used grade 3 and 4, if not more. This patient was one of those who needed that grade 1 mobilization. Many episodes ago, I talked about nerve mobilizations where I'm trying to create a pumping action by pulling on it very lightly. Grade 1 and 2 joint mobilizations do that very well. By pushing on a bone, you create indirect movement in softer tissues around it, like the nerves. You might recall from that previous episode that a pissed-off nerve does not like aggressive. A pissed-off nerve also creates a significant amount of muscle guarding. Trying to mash a joint around in an area where muscles are already contracting is pretty well guaranteed to create microtrauma in those muscles as they fight you. Even worse, that microtrauma is going to create its own inflammatory response in an area that is already inflamed. It's a stupid idea to add extra pressure. Grade 1 and 2 joint mobilizations are built for this circumstance. Thanks for hanging in, providers. I know that was repeat knowledge for you. Back to the story. This guy had a hard time walking in from the severity of pain. I did some testing and quickly found out that we couldn't even begin to work on movement analysis, let alone corrective work. Pain control was our only option, so the first few sessions were spent just trying to calm the area down. Enter the mobilization technique I did. I'm going to do the best I can to create the visual of how this mobilization was done, because it's important to the story. The patient was lying on the treatment table, on his right side, all the way to the edge, facing me with my body blocking him from falling off. His being so close to the edge of the table was important for my own body mechanics to avoid injuring myself in the position I had to sustain for 15 to 30 minutes at a time. I bent forward over him, and I wrapped my right arm around his pelvis. The shape of my arm was kind of like how an American football player cradles the football when they run with it. In this case, the ball would have been the top of his pelvis, left pelvis. Essentially, this gives me very, a very secure grip on his pelvis so that I can control exactly how much it moves to the millimeter. My left forearm is running parallel to his spine, and I place my thumb on the top side of one of the spinous processes of a vertebrae. Non-providers, the spinous process is the pointy part of your spine that you can feel by touching your own back. To give a better visual of my left arm, if you were to stand behind the patient, it would look like I'm about to strum his spine like I would strum guitar strings with my thumb. With my thumb on the side of the spinous process that faces the ceiling, I put a very slight pressure towards the floor. The purpose isn't to push the bone down, so much as it is to block the bone from moving up with what comes next. My right arm gave a small pull of his pelvis towards his feet. In this visual I'm trying to create for you with words, I know, super hard to do, I'm trying to move his pelvis away from his ribcage. This would cause his spine to bend slightly in an arc that is convex towards the ceiling. Remember, this is a grade 1 to 2 mobilization, so the total movement when I pull on his pelvis is all of 4 to 5 millimeters. 
The point of my thumb is to try to isolate the movement so that only one segment of the spine is the one that moves. This tiny movement gaps the left side of his spine at the spinal segment I'm on, which creates a little bit of a tug <clears throat> on the nerve that is coming off the spine just below my thumb. I do this on multiple spinal segments as a test first. I put my thumb on the first lumbar segment called L1. My left thumb blocking the L1 vertebrae from moving is intended to check for how much muscle resistance there is at this location when I do the small gapping movement by pulling on his pelvis. The more resistance I feel compared to neighboring segments, the more likely this is an area of high muscle guard. In this case, there's relatively free and easy movement at L1. I do the same for L2, L3, and L4. When my thumb is on L4, I find there is more resistance than the other segments. I move to L5 to compare, and L5 moves more like L1, 2, and 3. I've found my segment I want to focus on. I want to explain what I was feeling and what I did next in a little more detail. Because I found L4 to be significantly more resistant to movement with my very small pelvis poles, I suspected that there was a lot of the tiny muscles around the area guarding it. Generally speaking, we know in orthopedic medicine, the muscle guarding indicates injury, pain, inflammation, or something generally wrong in the area. In these circumstances, the nervous system reacts by making nearby muscles contract to stabilize and protect the injured area. Given this, the location of his pain, and the severity of his limitations, I'm suspecting that the nerve root in this area is inflamed. Once again, I'm going to call back to the episode, I'm wrong and so is everyone else. I can't definitively say this is what is happening. This is just a combination of my expertise with bodies, my educational background, and my implicit bias that ignores contrary evidence. However, this was how I was practicing, so I settled into a position and began the mobilization to start pumping the inflammatory chemicals out with small movements, specifically a grade 1 to 2 mobilization. I did this mobilization a lot in the first two visits. By the third visit, we started making some headway, and the regional resistance to movement and his pain was starting to decrease. I started the third session doing the mobilization again, but while I was doing it, I was thinking we might actually be able to start doing diagnostic movement analysis to figure out why this may have occurred and what we can do to fix the mechanical problem that created it. I'd like to take a moment to ask you to imagine the position I'm in for a moment. I have my left forearm along his spine with my thumb on a segment of his spine. Like I said before, it looks like I'm about to play his vertebrae like a guitar. My right arm is hooked around the top of his pelvis. I'm in a partial squat, and I'm bent over his body. Essentially, if you were to draw an imaginary line from my left thumb to my chin, they're right in line with each other. I'm going through the equations in my head of what I'm feeling, evidence that we might actually be breaking the pain cycle, and how to safely transition to the work needed to understand and correct the faults that created this severe pain. I'm concentrating on what I feel. I test reactions his body makes when I transition from grade 1 to grade 2. I even tried a little push towards a small grade 3 mobilization. Then, he farts. If you didn't totally understand my position, let me make it very clear. My face is about 4 inches from his asshole. You know there are moments in your life when you fart and the smell surprises you? 
one of those times where you what you produce overrides the standard, everyone else's farts smell worse than mine, you produce a smell that makes you immediately question what you ate. Then when you realize you didn't eat anything crazy, and yet the smell is still so horrendous that the inevitable next thought you have is, oh God, am I dying? This is what he produced four inches from my face. He knew where my face was. I'd been in this position for nearly 15 minutes at this point. He gave me no warning of what was coming, so I could at least move away. Most importantly, even if I gave him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't feel it coming before it happened, he still didn't even fucking apologize after it was done. That's it. This is the whole story today. No lessons to teach. No profound changes in my practice that I can pass on to help other providers improve their practice or patients to improve their lives. The story is over. People like him exist in the world. The end.